It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball. What can we say, ladies and gentlemen? Maybe the most exciting trade deadline of the past 20 years, maybe ever. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big Time Baseball for Odyssey Sports. I'm Cody Decker, former professional baseball player turned professional smartass on the radio. And with me, not just one of the co-hosts. Oh, my goodness. We got a three-man show, ladies and gentlemen. We got Tony Gwynn Jr. and the great John Heyman all in the same building. Well, not technically, but yeah, technically, because our voices are all in the same building. We have made it. Guys, welcome to Big Time Baseball. Tony Gwynn Jr., John Heyman, Cody Decker. We got a lot to discuss, but before we get to the trade deadline, maybe the most epic trade deadline of all time, we have to start on a somber note. Uh, last night during the Dodgers-Giants game, it was announced that the legendary, uh, the greatest broadcaster who ever lived, uh, and me being a guy from Los Angeles, he was the voice of my childhood. It was the voice of my father's childhood. In fact, I found out he passed away because my father actually called me in tears. Um, he That's how much Vin Scully truly means, not just to the Los Angeles community, but the baseball world itself. Um, as much as I want to pretend that I have the right words to say that how much Vin Scully means to me and baseball in general, I'm afraid it would take somebody with the voice, wit, and tact of Vin Scully to pull it off, and I simply am not that. But, John, you've been in this game for a long, long time. Uh, do you, Tell me what, what your takeaway about Vin Scully to Major League Baseball. Do you have any stories of Vin Scully and, obviously, the legacy that he leaves behind? Yeah, I certainly don't have the voice, nor do I have the wit or the tact to do it either. I mean, it just uh, humbles you to even try to discuss uh, the legend of Vin Scully, probably the most famous Dodger of them all. I mean, obviously, it's an historic storied franchise, Jackie Robinson, Sandy Koufax, so many great Dodgers, but I mean, he was the voice of the Dodgers and the face of the Dodgers, 67 years broadcasting, unbelievable. And I'm with you, he is the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time. Nobody could match him. I think there are probably two arguments you can't have is who is the greatest closer of all time? Rivera, obviously, and who's the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time? Obviously, Vin Scully. I don't know how he did it. He had a story or an interesting nugget on everyone who ever came up to bat, whoever went to the mound, whoever fielded a ball. Uh, it was incredible. It was just a sheer joy to listen to him. And that carried all the way till the end. A few years ago, certainly retired. He was amazing even then. I mean, and what a true gentleman. I happened to, I met him a couple of times. The last time I saw him, I was out having uh, breakfast with Dennis Gilbert, who happened to be his agent and is an, a, a longtime baseball agent. And my daughter was with me, who is a baseball fan, and his next appointment was with Vin Scully, and uh, we ran late. He was on time, and uh, we met him, and uh, it was just something else. I mean, he is uh, a joy. I mean, he was great to everybody, you know, whether you're a writer, a broadcaster, whether you're just a fan, and uh, just a terrific gentleman. My daughter 
who was probably about 10 years old at the time, remembers that to this day and talks about Vin Scully like she knows him, like he's our friend and uh, <laughs> just a great guy and an unbelievable broadcaster. And Tony, I mean, what can we say? I'm looking very forward to getting your perspective on this because not only were you a San Diego Padre and, of course, your father, the great Tony Gwynn, the greatest San Diego Padre of all time, but you were also a Dodger for a few years as well. So you have maybe the most unique perspective on this than maybe anyone in the world. Yeah, no, he, he is um, he is he's a gentleman. I think I think John described it. I think that word describes him to a T. Um he had the ability, as you guys have mentioned, to, to tell a story about every um, every player that was on the roster. He had a little nugget about him. And in the broadcast world, you know, there's a there's a a, a saying that you don't you don't ever start a story or a thing with two strikes. It was crazy. It seemed like he could start a story with two <laughs> with two strikes, two outs, and all of a sudden the the inning would lengthen for him. He'd finished the story and like almost to a T, like he'd finished the story. The last out would be made. He'd be able to send it to commercial. I mean, he just had that kind of magic. And, and having gotten a chance to sit down and, and, and talk with him on, on a couple occasions, man, he's just um, I, 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 it blows my mind that he was around to see the integration of baseball with Jackie Robinson. He watched Jackie Robinson and Matt Kemp play in his career and from from beginning to end. And um, there, there'll never be another rook. I'll share a quick story with you. One of the things everybody knows my pops used to, to do was watch video. And so as a kid, I became familiar with every team's lead voice. And obviously for the Dodgers, it was Vin Scully. And there was, there was one, there was one night, my dad had like three hits. It, it was in LA and he just kept he just kept rewinding and rewinding this one particular play, and because he rewound it so much, um, Vince's voice is in my head. It, it went something like, "There's a line drive up the middle, tingling another hit for Gwen," and that just like has just been burned in my head uh, from since I was maybe ten or eleven years old. But uh, there never will be another. Vince Scully, he's the greatest to ever do it, and um, it was it was definitely a sad day. Uh, as exciting as it was here in San Diego, uh, I'm not gonna lie. For me personally, that took a little bit of the air out of the day when um, you, we found out that that Vin had passed away. It absolutely did. And here, I've I only had the luxury of meeting Vin Scully one time, and I will tell you, I when I got my major league debut, I was so excited because I was making my major league uh, starting debut in Los Angeles. And I'll tell you both right away, the thing I was looking most forward to, not just having my major league debut in Los Angeles, being a kid that went to Santa Monica High School and then UCLA, but more importantly, Vin Scully was about to announce me. And <laughs> I, I was so jazzed that I was going to get in the box, watch it later on like DVR and rewind and listen to my at-bats because I wanted to find out information about me that I didn't know about me. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you learn? <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's the problem. I picked the worst day humanly possible to make my debut because Vin Scully had a cold that night oh, and no. Charlie Steiner announced the game. Now, Charlie oh. Steiner, great announcer himself, but listen, nothing against you, Charlie Steiner, but I wanted Vin <laughs> Scully to announce my name oh. and tell me something about me being born. At born in St. John's Hospital at 5.15 a.m., he weighs exactly 47 and a half kilos or whatever it is. I don't know the metric system, but uh, he would have just been perfect. Perfect, and I would have loved to have had that. But Vin Scully, just a legend. I mean, every legendary moment in baseball history has the soundtrack of Vin Scully. The 1988 yeah. home run, the the 1986 uh, Buckner error, behind the bag, behind the bag. I mean, he he would uh, take a paintbrush to a canvas of a baseball game and make it something different and something yeah. special and. He will be missed forever, and I will only think of baseball games, and only, every broadcaster will always be compared to the great Vin Scully, no matter what. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So let's go ahead and get away from uh, the somber tone and let's talk about yesterday's trade deadline, ladies and gentlemen. It was, would you guys say, the greatest that has ever happened? Because I'm going to say it's the greatest that's ever happened. Maybe the biggest trade of our lifetimes. Juan Soto to the San Diego Padres, Tony Gwynn Jr., I'm assuming you have just been showered with nothing but joy and happiness in San Diego for the past 24 hours. I'm excited for him. Uh, But John Heyman, I got to ask you, how quickly did this come together? Uh, AJ Preller gave an interview yesterday saying it was right around the trade deadline, not the trade deadline, the all-star break. They thought this was a possibility. Um, How did this all come together in such a quick amount of time? I mean, this is not blockbuster. This is biblical. Well, we know AJ Preller always had his eye on Juan Soto. He scouted him as an amateur, loved him then. Tried to get him. I think at some point kind of pulled back when Moncada became available and looked at Moncada. I think he always had that regret that he didn't continue on with Soto and follow through and sign him. And, you know, when you have a regret, you like to try to undo it. And that's why when uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote that story that Soto was now available at the All-Star game just before the game, um, I was able to write the Padres are the favorite, basically. Uh, that the Padres are going to go for it and they have a good chance because I knew that Preller wanted him badly and Preller, let's face it, Tony knows this as well as anybody, he gets what he wants. He was hell-bent. I mean, the other guys were trying. He was hell-bent on this. He was not going to let this go without him being the one to get Soto, particularly with the Dodgers in the mix. But even if it wasn't, even if it was the Royals or whomever, uh, A.J. Preller was going to make sure that this happened for the San Diego Padres. Well, Tony, uh, we know what happened last year at the trade deadline. In fact, last yeah. week on, on Big Time Baseball, you and I discussed this exact trade, and you and I just uh, completely thought this was going to happen, and it was going to happen for multiple reasons, not just the A.J. Preller wanting Juan Soto aspect, but we cannot have a Max Scherzer 2021 situation happening again. So you knew A.J. Preller was going to throw everything possible, and looking at the trade that he made, he threw everything possible. Let's be, be real clear. The Nats got a king's ransom in this. They did. They did. And uh, I, you can't really talk about this deadline without setting the context of last deadline uh, and how it went for the Padres. I, I remember talking to AJ shortly after, who is always pretty low-key, but I just got the sense in talking to him that that didn't sit well with him. It, it, it not going the way that he wanted to. I think that didn't sit well with him. So that was the context going in. And obviously, it is not often that a generational player at the age of 23 becomes available. And uh, for the Padres, at least from my perspective, there's clearly a window that they have right now. Um, between now and the next couple of seasons, they got to figure out a way to, to get as deep as they can. And what better way to do that than bring in uh, Juan Soto in the building? Not only do you bring Juan Soto, you get some more depth with with Josh Bell in, in that same in, in that same trade. So as it was, uh, as it always is with AJ, you can't you can't put too many things past him in terms of what the Nationals got. Listen, they they as you said, they got a king's ransom. But if you go through history and you look at these trades. It is a high likelihood that the Padres will end up with the better end of this deal when all said and done. Uh, and you, and when you're this close, you take that gamble. I don't think there's any any other way to look at it. Couldn't agree more. But just so just so we're clear, Nats fans, I it is possible to be both upset and happy at the same Absolutely. time that you lost. Yeah, you lost Juan Soto, and I agree that sucks. It hurts. It hurts even me just thinking about you as fans. <laughs> But you should be very happy because C.J. Abrams, top prospect of the Padres. Uh, Robert Hassel III, top prospect of the Padres. James Wood, by the way, popular James Wood. This guy, oh, 
watch out. This guy's this going is, to be a stud. This is this is the guy that if you if you ask anybody around the Padres, this is the probably the one that hurts the most. They all hurt, but this one was the was the one they had to really dig deep and just put their head down and like kind of push that chip into the middle of the table, unfortunately. <laughs> and and by the way, the right-handed pitcher, Jarlin Susana, uh, one of the top international signings of the last three years. I mean, this is this is really good. Oh, and by the way, Luke Voigt just kind of sprinkled in there just for the hell of it. Now, that's not going to be a big impact thing maybe in the future, but hey, Luke Voigt over to the Nats. It's not a slouch of a ball player. However, not at all. Uh, what do you guys think about that with, uh, you know, with the news of Hosmer uh, canceling his opportunity to go there? And now, of course, works out well for him. He went over to Boston. Uh, basically, seemingly Hosmer is the reason that Luke Voigt is over in the Nationals organization. <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, let me take that. Um, you know, I mean, Hosmer had it in his contract. He's got 10 teams and he has a right to um, decline trades to. So, you know, I heard some ripping of Hosmer. I mean, imagine what it would have been like if, he declined the trade, and it, it scuttled the deal. It killed the oh. deal. Then uh, he would have been a pariah. But, you know, now the only negative is that Luke Voigt has to go to Washington, and the only person who's upset about that is Luke Voigt. And, by the way, I hear he was quite unhappy about it. You know, I, I it is – I mean, you guys lived it. it. To me, it's a little – one of the unfair – not a little. It's one of the unfair things about being a baseball player that somebody could trade you anywhere they want to trade you to. There's no other job like that, really, where you can get traded to Elmira or Des Moines or whatever. And, uh, you know, I don't blame him for not wanting to go to the Nats at this point. I mean, it's lovely that they got these prospects. But, yeah, and Wood's supposed to be the next Willie McCovey, but not – Tomorrow, you know, it's going to take no. a little while. He's in a ball. I don't blame him at all. Uh, and it's great that they were still able to get the deal done. So give them credit for that. It was a lot. And I'm with you guys. Uh, the, the Padres can have no regrets. And good for A.J. Perlow that he's willing to take a chance. And even better that they procure the talent like they do. Not many teams have this kind of talent. The Dodgers do. They could have made the deal. But, you know, they're not A.J. Preller. They don't just go for it every single time. They go for it a lot. Give them credit. They do a good job. But, you know, they drew the line. And they, there's no line with A.J. Preller. And, hey, Tony, I got to know, in San Diego, what was the feeling going on over there? Do you know anything about the clubhouse, as like Tony just mentioned? Obviously, Luke Voigt could not have been happy about going over to the Nats. And as John just said, he probably would have rather gone to Des Moines or Elvira or pretty much anywhere but Elvira, Washington, Elvira, DC. not Elvira. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Elvira. I'd much rather go to see the uh, gothic queen that is Elvira than go to Washington Nationals. Listen, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to see to see Luke, but I, I'm sure he wasn't happy. Um, he 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 wasn't in the deal. As a matter of fact, I, I did a hit yesterday when this deal had got done, and I mentioned Luke Voigt as being a part of of a lineup that uh, was going to be pretty deep. But as it turned out, he was part of the a part of that deal. Um, and listen, that that's. That's the way the game goes, and these guys know that. Now, ultimately, it's not fun when you're on the, the wrong end of it. Um, Haas certainly had the no-trade clause, the partial no-trade clause to certain teams, as John mentioned. And listen, quite frankly, if if, if, if I'm in his shoes, the way things hand, were handled last year and how things leaked out, and, and, and it really turned the Padres' locker room, it seemed like, in a, in a bad place last year. I, I don't know why you would feel like he would, would ever be willing to help <laughs> at that point anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, if, if we're being frank. Like, it, it was not in his best interest. And listen, it, 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 I, I wouldn't – I'm almost positive that A.J. Preller was prepared for that, which is why they were able to pivot and go to Boston and make that deal there. But as a the casualty of that is Luke Voigt also being included and. Uh, and listen, Luke was starting to get hot. So I, at least the Nationals know that that, team, that he's coming in there swinging the bat well. But um, in terms of Luke, I, I'm sure he's not happy about it. Yeah, he's he, was, have, he, was a, he was a pleasure to be around, too, here in San Diego. Yeah, he's going to have to swing the bat awfully well to get them back in the race, by the way. Yeah, no, I didn't say anything about the race. I just said that they're getting a guy who's going to be good. Okay. Well, guys, this is such a big trade. And really quick, just take a temperature on both of you guys. John, what do you say? The biggest trade maybe of the past 20 years? Honestly, maybe the biggest trade ever? 
Yeah, I mean, I cannot think of a bigger one. Obviously, last year's with Scherzer and Turner, which uh, Tony referenced, and AJ was uh, quite upset about. He thought that he had the better prospects with uh, Camposano instead of Kyber Ruiz. You know, we'll see. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Um, yeah, I, I think this one's bigger than that one. You got Bell thrown in there, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the Cabrera trade, obviously, was about 2007-8. Uh, that trade would turn out to be really one-sided with Andrew Miller, who developed later as a bullpen weapon, and uh, Cameron Maben, I believe, was the other guy, and Burke Beatenhop. Yeah. I mean, Cameron Maben is a yeah. good announcer, but, I mean, he had a nice career, played 10 years in the big leagues, I believe. Uh, that trade was, I mean, it's about as one-sided as any that you're going to see. I mean, there isn't much they history are, of a 23-year-old or in, in, in Miguel's case, 24-year-old superstar being traded. It just doesn't work out. I mean, even in basketball, you look at Kareem. Now they had to trade him because he didn't want to be in Milwaukee. He wanted to go to L.A. where he played college basketball. And, I mean, now I'm dating myself. But, you know, they traded him for four <laughs> guys. And none of them were Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, or, you know, not even close. So, you know, I, I can't put Soto in that category. And certainly basketball is a different sport than baseball. But, it's, Washington did as well as they could have done. They they got some great prospects, but you, you're not getting one Soto back. No, no. And Tony, this trade was so big uh, that 24 hours earlier they traded for Josh Hader, and we're not talking about it like Nobody. at all. We're treating only, it like it doesn't matter. <laughs> not only did they sign Josh Hader, they also locked up Joe Musgrove for five years at a hundred at the time, who has been the city darling and mm-hmm. everybody was, was ecstatic. And then the news broke of, uh, of Juan Soto and Josh Bell and everybody forgot. And by the way, you got it. The Padres got a chance to see uh hater, their new weapon last night who was dominant. So um, listen, everything is, is moving in the right direction for the Padres. They're starting to pitch, uh, starting to have a complete pitching staff. That's all pitching well at the same time. You got Soto, you got Bell, uh, you got Drury in a deal that gives you some extra depth, with left-handed depth. Uh, they, AJ has set this team up to now where it's it's on the players to go out and play along with Bo Mel. Mm-hmm. And, hey, listen, not that power rankings are a thing, and we usually as a group like to make fun of power rankings, <laughs> but let's be real clear. If we were to make a power rankings for the National League right now, just off the bat, just after this trade deadline, where would you put the Padres right now, John Heyman? Yeah, I probably, uh, I you know, they're probably Ooh. the second, I'd say still second to the Dodgers. I would say one thing, you know, I don't want to bring up any negative, but one thing is they're going to have a hard time catching the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to play that first playoff round. And as of right now, it'd be Atlanta. And that's, you know, that's probably a coin flip or close to it, you know, a three-game series. So, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of hurdles to go. But in terms of talent, um, yeah, I mean, DeGrom just came back for the Mets, and they've done well mm-hmm. without him. So you could put the Mets second, or you could put the Padres second. I think those are two and three, one or the other. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say that for now, I'll, I'll give the Dodgers the number one spot. Uh, but in terms of head-to-head, the Padres have handled the Braves and the Mets in their plays, at their place. And I think for the Padres, I think the short-term goal is to catch the Braves so they can host that uh, that wild card. Because, listen, 11 and a half, 12 games, that's a tough makeup in, a, in about a, a two-month span. I'm not saying it can't be done, but yeah. there is a lot of distance that you got to cover, and a lot of things have to go right. So, you know, you, you play good ball, you see where the chips fall there, but their goal should be to catch Atlanta, get that uh, host spot, um, because I think the Padres match up very well with, with, the, with the Braves, as we've seen in, in the, yeah. the early series. Now, the Braves weren't swinging the bat as well as they are now, but, but certainly uh, the Padres pitching is their strong suit in this whole thing. And, and let's not make mistakes. The teams that we just talked about. Now, I agree with both of you. I still got the Dodgers as being the best team in Major League Baseball. But with this trade, and keep in mind, the Mets did make some trades and got a little bit better as well. When again, Vogelbach, they went and got their hands on uh, Dar- uh, Daniel uh, Darren Ruff and a few other things just to kind of improve in a few spots. On top of that, like you mentioned, DeGrom coming back, but also yeah. 
listen, the Braves went out and got a couple of pieces too. I really like that Iglesias pickup last second right before the trade deadline came to an end. That's a great way to bolster the bullpen, not to mention getting their hands on a new starter from Houston where they gave up Will Smith. Um, I'm, I do think this trade moves the Padres just up to the second slot. I think them, the Mets, and the Braves are all kind of bunched up together. But, man, the Padres, this is this is a coming out party if there ever was one, and I cannot wait for it. But there were a couple other trades yesterday, and for the most part, it seems like trades were really going to help out a lot of teams. But there is one trade in particular that, I don't know, guys, it perplexed me, and it's the Yankees and the St. Louis Cardinals. Can someone explain to me the Jordan <laughs> Montgomery trade? Because no one's been able to. I can see I can see why this deal works for him, especially when you consider the other arms they got in, in, in some of the other deals. Um, they don't have a guy that can go cover a whole bunch of ground defensively um, in that outfield. Judge is 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 a is a good defender. Hicks has slowed down a little bit. Uh, Bader is is in my opinion the the top defensive center fielder in in the game. He's that good covering ground. So maybe, at least from my perspective, I see this as kind of shoring up the defensive end of, of things and having a guy in the middle of the field that can do it. That's the only thing I can come up with. You got enough arms and deals that you got to to really try to solidify and give yourself some more depth of the arms. Um, that's how I see this hater deal. And yeah. what about you, John? Yeah, I mean, what Tony said is, is certainly part of it. And Hayter is an outstanding center fielder, along with Kiermaier, a few others that are in Buxton, who are in that elite category. But here's the short synopsis of why they did it. They do not think much of Jordan Montgomery. I know, it seems odd, right? He's been an average, at least, or above average, major league starting pitcher. I think that's clear. You trade him for a guy who's really not an offensive player, who's injured, and won't be back until September, probably. Um, you know, I think that's a clear signal. They they didn't see him as anybody who they ever want starting a playoff game, and that's really what they're about. Personally, I don't like this trade because I, I like to see pitching depth. You never know. Cortez has never thrown this many innings. Tyon has an injury history. Severino is already out. Um, obviously, uh, Cole is a horse. I'd rather have the pitching depth then worry about center field in September or October. And uh, I, if I were them, I would have gone the opposite way and gotten another starter. I know they were talking about Pablo Lopez, and it looked pretty good there for a little while at the end. Uh, that's what I would have I would have gotten an extra starter, not lost one of the starters they already had. They got one starter in Montas. They got two mm -hmm. relievers in Efros and Trevino. So, I mean, you know, they, certainly Efros is having a good year. Um, you know, they – beefed up the, the pen, but, you know, to lose Severino, they just put him on a 60-day DL. Cortez has been amazing, all-star, but never thrown this kind of innings. Um, you know, Montas is great, uh, but he's coming off of an injury too, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, they have the same number of starters that they had before, uh, but you know what, M Montgomery, whatever you want to think of him, and obviously they did not think that much of him, he was dependable. He, he got out there. He was not uh, – backed up much with any offense. Uh, he pitched at least as an average starter at the major league level and a left-hander. So um, I don't like it. They obviously loved Bader. They love that he can fly and is a good defender. Uh, I'm not in favor. I'm not, I, I don't get that. I, I think they did great overall because I like all the other moves. Uh, this one makes no sense to me. Yeah, and here's, here's the other thing about that. You mentioned that Cole is a horse, and he is – but as we're currently recording right now, uh, Garrett Cole has given up six runs in the first inning. So Ooh. there may be a slight problem with the pitching staff in New York. That's why I agree with you wholeheartedly, John. Yeah, pitching depth for this team, especially this offensive juggernaut that is the New York Yankees. Man, pitching depth is going to make make or break this team when it comes to the end of the year. Um, but looking at the other teams that got some pitching depth, the Phillies, man, they went and got Noah Syndergaard uh, and, the, and a few other nice names. Dave Robertson, Brandon Marsh. Do you think the Phillies are going to look to compete going forward here? What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Tony? I think they'll be competitive. There's, there's no doubt. I think uh, that offense is good enough to to keep them um, in striking distance. However, uh, I just think the Braves and the Mets are, are are maybe a tier above where Philly is right now. I I can't see them making up the ground. Uh, I don't think 
the Mets or the Braves are going to, you know, have a big downturn where they lose a bunch of games. Um, and I just think it's going to be too much to, to overcome. They still aren't very good defensively. They, uh, I know they, they, they tried to shore some things up there, but I still think this is a Mets brave situation in that East. Yeah. I mean, it comes, yeah, it comes down to, can they beat out either Milwaukee or St. Louis? Cause I'm with you, Tony, they're, they're not going to beat out the Braves or the Mets or the Dodgers, certainly with the, with the record, the Dodgers will win the division. And then the Padres, look at the Padres, they're already better, and look what they did. And we just talked about that. They're certainly going right. to improve. So they're going to have to beat out one of those central teams. And, I mean, I give them credit. Uh, they're gonna, they gave themselves a good shot at doing that. Uh, I like them shoring up the defense with Sosa and Marsh, but uh, Robertson was a highly coveted reliever, and they gave up their 26th-ranked prospect to get him. Now, these rankings aren't exact. Maybe the guy's better than that. You know, maybe he should be higher. But, uh, I mean, Robertson was a key pickup for them. And obviously, Syndergaard, he's not like he used to be with the Mets throwing 100, but he's a viable starting pitcher. So he helped themselves that way. Uh, I like what they did. I mean, I, I like what they did much better than what the Mets did. Now, the Mets still have a better team, and they got DeGrom, which is certainly better than, you know, anybody but Soto, who came, back, came on the trade deadline. Uh, or Tatis if he's coming back soon, which we think. But, uh, you know, you, you referenced the Mets earlier. I, I personally think you have a chance to win. You go for it. You do an A.J. Preller. Maybe not that crazy, but something, you know. Uh, you know, Vogelback and Ruff are part-time players. Givens was a giveaway. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a decent pitcher, so they probably made a good trade to get him. But, um, how much did they really improve their team by, by a trade? Um, I think they're too afraid. You know, they're so wrapped up in the fact that Pete Crow Armstrong has really taken a step forward with the Cubs in the minor leagues. I, I wouldn't worry about it. You know, for three years, they've, they've regretted the Kelnick deal. And, you know, without that deal, they wouldn't be where they are today because Diaz is the best reliever in the game right now. Uh, maybe hater, but basically has been this year. Um, so, you know, to me, I like when teams do something. I think it's important. It helps the clubhouse, and I think the Phillies did a nice job. But you're right; it's not going to be easy. They're going to have to beat out one of those central teams, and that's no yeah. kidding. Anytime you're trying to climb three or four teams to get to one of the spots, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough because that means you're gonna need all four of those teams to not play well down the stretch. And you know, I, I don't see that happening with the teams that are in front of them. Mm-hmm. And other trades, by the way, that took place throughout the league. I mean, the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are playing some good baseball as of late. They're going for this playoff spot. And they acquired yesterday former hits leader Whit Merrifield. Why is that funny and kind of interesting? Well, Whit Merrifield's already missed three games in Toronto due to not being vaccinated. But he did express that he possibly would be willing to get vaccinated if he goes to a contender. Listen. This is not a a vax debate that we're about to have, but real quick, what does this say about the Kansas City Royals if Whit Merrifield wouldn't get vaccinated for the team that he was with? (laughs) Well, you know what? Let me me talk on this. I, I, you know, they had 10 guys, so obviously that's not good. Uh, But I will say this. This is an individual choice. I didn't make that choice. I'm vaccinated and I I have to be for work, but I would do it anyway. Um, We're not going to get into a vax debate, but, you know, I mean, if the Kansas City Royals were the Alberta Royals or something in Canada, he we would have to get vaccinated. You know, the fact that he's now, we assume, going to get vaccinated, it's because he's going to be with the Blue Jays. If he went somewhere else, I don't think he'd get vaccinated, right? You know, so I don't blame the Royals for each individual one. It doesn't look good that they had 10. I will give them credit as a team, though, because they wore it. You know, they said, all right, we got yeah. 10 guys. They're unvaccinated. They're going on the restricted list. We're going to call up these minor leagues and let the chips fall where they may. Some of these guys had minor injuries. I'm not going to name their names. Had minor injuries, and they begged to go on the injured list so they wouldn't be outed as having been unvaccinated. They didn't want to discuss it. They didn't want to do anything, have anything to do with it. They wanted to be, be on the injured list and, and move away from the subject and miss more games, even though – you know, some of them were did have some injury, but not enough to go on the injured list. They, The royal management said, no, we're going to wear this as an organization. 
you guys aren't vaccinated. You're not going on the injured list for this. You're going to be on the restricted list, and we're going to call up these minor leaguers. So as an organization, I give them credit for doing that. But to convince these guys to be vaccinated, I think, you know, I understand if someone's going to chastise the Royals for not doing a good job. And look, the Yankees got everybody vaccinated. They had many that were didn't want to do it, and they got everyone did it. So I get famously, famously right. unvaccinated. In fact, exactly. you, would, you would say exactly. Uh, so I give them credit, but I'm I'm not going to kill the Royals because they have a bunch of guys on their team that didn't want to do it. That's America. We got we got thirty mm-hmm. percent of the people who are not vaccinated. That is true. That is true, Tony. Well, Tony, what are your thoughts on Whit Merrifield to the Blue Jays? Do you think he can help this team win? I think he can help this team win. And listen, I, I think you hit on it in the beginning. He he did he did kind of say if if the scenario was right that he may reconsider. And so uh, the trade has been made. I, I assume the Blue Jays got did their homework and know what's coming you know, after this so that they can actually use them. Uh, but I think he can certainly help. Uh, I mean, Whit Merrifield is, is a baseball player, man. He can hit. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. As you mentioned, he was a hits leader on multiple occasions. This guy can play some ball. And uh, an addition like that in a lineup, uh, that already is, is immensely talent, uh, talented. He, he certainly can help that ball club. Are there any other trades that took place that have kind of caught your guys' eye or ear? I mentioned – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, I got, I got one. Uh, the Astros. The moves, yes. they, they, the moves yes. they made I thought were, were good. I didn't I, – I, I, had, I had done a hit a couple weeks ago, and they had asked me, and I was like, you know, you know they don't need a whole lot, but I, I could see them adding a, a bat in that lineup. I mean, it's – it's not the the Astros of what 2015 where they you know they had a you know a, a whole bunch of stars in there, but this is a good ball club with terrific pitching and to get Mancini, I thought I thought that was a really really quality sneaky good move uh, that you can add that type of bat in that lineup already with 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 Alvarez and and, and Bregman and you know, Tuve and all the all the guys Tucker the guys who who've been playing well. I thought that was a sleepy, sneaky move right there by the Astros. Yeah, I'm with Tony. I'm with Tony on that one. I mean, those are the two players the Mets should have gotten. Vasquez. I mean, their catchers have like a five ten OPS. Uh, Vasquez is a good two way player, and they got him for two unranked. I mean, again, we don't know exactly what the prospect rankings are worth, but they're not in the top thirty on the on the Astros, or we're not. And they got Vasquez. I understand he's a rental. You're not going to give up the world for him. But to me, that was a player for the Mets. And same with Mancini. Buck had him in Baltimore. Great player, inspirational player, can play a little outfield, can play first base. Perfect for them and hedges them on Brantley's injury. And also Gurriel not having the year that uh, everybody expected off of the batting title. I thought Houston, I think Houston is a great team to begin with. And they got even better. And they stole the two players the Mets should have gotten. Yep, I, I agree with you on that. I do like the Houston moves. Obviously, Trey Mancini, I'm a huge, enormous fan of, so I'm looking very forward to seeing him in a playoff race. Uh, Castillo over to Seattle is yeah, something yeah. I'm very excited to see. And I did mention this is a kind of a low-key one, but Iglesias from the Angels over to the Braves. I think that's a good arm to throw in that bullpen uh, on the same day that they sneakily traded uh, Will Smith over to Houston as well. So a lot of trades to talk about, but let's talk about the trades that didn't happen because yesterday in a span of 24 hours, there were four major league catchers that were traded right before the deadline in Cam Gallagher, Vasquez, um, Darren Ruff. Uh, there's another one I'm forgetting. But there were four major league catchers traded, none named Wilson Contreras. How does this happen? You know, I mean, at the All-Star game, Wilson Contreras said how much he loved being a Cub. And, and who doesn't, right? You know, the beer's flowing. It's fantastic. We're all having fun. <laughs> I mean, everybody loves being a Cub. I mean, did they take that to heart and say, oh, we, love, we like to have him around. He's a, he's a fun guy. I don't know. It, to me, I don't get it. You know, they'll give him the qualifying offer now that that unfortunately still exists. And, you know, maybe he'll be back now or maybe they'll get some compensation. Uh, made no sense to me. I mean, this is the guy, certainly the Mets could have used him and they tried to get him. Again, I don't think the Mets tried hard enough. They have too much regret about all these prospects they gave up. Who cares? Um, you know, I guess I grew up in the Steinbrenner era and I'm looking at the players. 
I don't know, Wilson Contreras, all-star catcher. He's got to be worth more than a draft choice, right? I mean, I, I really don't. I didn't get what the Cubs did in the winter with Stroman. Bringing in him into a young team, didn't get that. Didn't get Frazier, didn't get VR, didn't get any of it. And now I don't get what they're doing either. Yeah. Uh, Tony, what do you think of this? Because like, if the Cubs said they didn't get the prospect return that they wanted to look for, so that immediately tells me that Jed Hoyer probably overplayed the living hell out of his hand. Either that or they're making a turn face and a turnabout face and they're going to sign him long term. I, I don't know. This doesn't make any sense. This is up there with the Rockies not trading Story and Gray last year at the deadline. It just it's it's mind boggling. And I don't know if, if Jed overplayed his hand or if they have decided to, to, to change course here. But um, to not move Wilson Contreras specifically, um, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, even Cam Gallagher, who's been the backup catcher in Kansas City, who just got traded over to Pod the Padres yesterday, he even got back a 2017 first rounder in Brent Rooker, who was a top prospect for years. So, I mean, it's not like there weren't a possibility of getting people for Wilson Contreras. And not to mention, Ian Happ was also an all-star who was looking to get traded and did not get traded either. So it seems as though right now, and I hope I'm wrong because I want the Cubs to be good, but it seems like this organization is pretty much directionless. What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, first of all, they need to spend some money. I mean, it's a Chicago Cubs. You know, they, they've redone that whole area. They've got to be printing money. They already were. It, it really makes no sense that they really punted on the last two years. And for them to be competitive next year, they're going to have to spend a ton. And let's yeah. face it, they do not look like they're a team ready to spend a ton. Um, you know, I don't know what they, the, the, the guys running marquee, their new network. I, I don't know what they talk about. They don't even have good prospects really. I mean, they have some prospects, but not really good. Pro I have no idea what they're saying. I mean, I, you know, I, I watch a little bit, but they have a bad team, no prospects and an owner who doesn't spend. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. And, uh, you know, I, I really don't get, I mean, Hap still has a year to go, so, you know, I'll give him a little bit of a pass on that one. Contreras, to me, makes no sense. I mean, Tony, you referenced Story and uh, Gray. Gray is the one that really got me because they didn't even offer him the uh, qualifying. They didn't even uh, give him the qualifying offer. And then he ended up getting 50-something million dollars somebody else, somewhere else. So, you know, that was a mistake, clearly. Um the offers for Story, you know, he was injured somewhat last year. was not having a good year. Weren't that great. So, and he was a star for them. So, you know, I'll maybe give them a half a pass. But this case, Contreras, he needed to be traded. I, I don't see any way that they couldn't have gotten an offer better than the, better than the draft choices. No way. Yeah. On top of that, I mean, here, how, Tony, how about this? And I mentioned this to you when we did Big Time Baseball, I believe, last week. How is Wilson Contreras with Mike Zunino out for the year not wearing a Tampa Bay Rays jersey today? I, that's that's what. I, and listen, maybe 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 these teams have wisened up dealing with the with dealing with the Rays because the Rays <laughs> seem to fleece everybody that they get, and so maybe they're just like, you know what, we're not even going to risk it and deal with that because that that would have been a perfect fit uh, for for Tampa. It seemingly would have been a perfect fit, but. Uh, look, kudos to Wilson, man. He didn't want to leave in the first place. He gets to finish his year out there and become a free agent and make yeah. a, a whole bunch of money in the offseason. Uh, in terms of the Cubs, I, listen, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to tell him on this one. Yeah, point. Tony, yeah. that's a funny comment, but I think we know what Wilson Contreras is now. It's not like they're giving up four prospects to the Tampa and they were going to be superstars. It's a rental who's a very good player. You know, hopefully, and I don't put it, I, it's possible, you know, what you said is certainly funny. It is possible teams are so afraid to deal with the Rays, they wouldn't even give them an established <laughs> player who we know what he is. I mean, I get I get why you don't want to give up three prospects like in that famous deal, that Archer deal, which, by the way, and we all made fun of that deal at the time and forever. You know, right now Meadows was traded. He's not doing anything. Boz is not really any at the moment. And Glasnow is hurt, although he may come back. So you never know with prospects where they're going to go. But I get it. The Rays are scary to deal with. But still, I mean, Wilson Contreras, you know what he's going to do. He's going to hit. He's going to play a good catcher. But he's a rental. He should have figured mm -hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Blake Snell. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Not sure where that came from. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Tony. That I love. I'm actually a huge Blake Snell fan, but let's be real clear: the Rays won that that battle uh, quite handedly with the Padres. Uh, any other trades that didn't happen that caught your eye? Because there's one team in particular uh, that I'm very surprised about, and I'm most and I'm very disappointed in one particular team, and that's the Southsiders and the White Sox. I thought there was a perfect setup ready to go to get Carlos Rodon and Jock Peterson out of San Francisco and put them on the south side of Chicago. And I'm blown away it didn't happen, not only on the White Sox side, but how did the Giants decide to hold on to these two? Well, I think the Giants think they have a shot. So they're kind of in that middle range where you're not exactly sure where you're going. And it makes it difficult. And, you know, they really didn't become an active seller. I do think with Rodon... Teams are a little afraid because he does have that kind of poison pill in that contract. Yeah, Uh he's got a player option where, you know, if he gets hurt, he can pick up the option. Now you've got $22 million that you're paying for a hurt player. If he doesn't get hurt, he's out of there. It's better to get just a rental free agent after the year. To have that option that he's got makes it a little bit dicey. Um, And, and, you know, who's to say the Giants can't turn it around? The other teams in the National League are not that spectacular. I mean, the top five are, but right now you've got St. Louis and Philadelphia sitting there in six and seven. They haven't been that great. They've been good, better than the Giants, but you know, I could, you never know. They could turn it around. I just, I could see that maybe teams were not clamoring for Rodon or Peterson like we would have thought. And I, I would, I think they are good fits. Obviously, Rodon had been there. White Sox need a left-handed bat. One thing about the White Sox is all their prospects are already at the major level, so mm-hmm. they don't have a big wealth of prospects to trade. Yeah, they're they're not as shiny as they as they once no. were. You know, it's funny. It's funny how that works, right? They're really shiny, and then they get to the big leagues, and they're they're not. They get a little dirty, and they're not as not as shiny anymore. It's pretty tough. As- you guys would know this better than me, but uh, <laughs> it's not so easy to perform at the major league level. No, it is not. not. It is not. But don't worry, I was never a prospect to begin with. So really, I was just stealing money. It was gold for me. Um, what, what about you, Tony? I'm looking at other other potential trades that could have happened. One being the J.D. Martinez trade. The Mets were really hot on him, and it looks like the Red Sox decided to hold on to him. Not to mention that. Hey, listen, I know that uh, Eric Hosmer has not lit up the world the last couple of years, but he is an upgrade at first base for the Red Sox, and he could help that team. Yeah, no, no. I think I think Eric will help that team. Um, I I think he he's set up to he, he had been swinging the bat better here in San Diego, so uh, I expect that he does. The team that I'm surprised it didn't make a move, honestly, is the Angels. I mean, I, I thought there was a legitimate chance until John's report uh, came out that that they weren't going to move Shohei Otani. Um, it, it just it, it just seems like you got to do something. I know they moved Iglesias, but it just seems like they they could have done more. In terms of if they they need to, they're in that same boat where it doesn't seem like there's a direction, right? So you know whether it's the the, the Rockies, who was the other team we were just mentioned that oh the Cubs, like they're in that same boat. They just have way more money invested in some of these players, and I thought this would have been a good time to try to move somebody off of that roster and and, and try to go get some. They move Syndergaard, I'm sure that helps, but I thought Shohei had a chance to move there. And, yeah. and I was a little surprised that he did. Yeah. I think yeah, that, John, was, what, what that think? was an ownership thing. I think, you know, you know, it's easy for, and I agree with you. He, he should have been moved. I, I do agree with that. I think you're right, but it's probably easier said from our distance than done yeah, when you're sure. there and he's the owner of the team. And, you know, they haven't admitted how much money they're making off of him, but we think it's a lot. But beyond that, you know, I, I hear that when they came to him with the offers, he said, you know, what are we going to sell at this point? We, Trout's injured, Rendon's injured, and if we lose Shoei, we got nothing. You know, fans are still coming out to see Shoei, and uh, God bless him, he's been unbelievable. And uh, it is odd that they do seem like they're collecting stars rather than trying to win. And really, I mean, they, they did trade Syndergaard and Iglesias, as you mentioned, but they need to really do something drastic to have a chance. Because you have... Trout and Otani, arguably, you know, two out of the, at least for sure, two out of the top five players in the game, and you you stink, 
that's you know it's time to yeah, time to make do something. Sense. Hey, uh, John, I, I, you just mentioned something really interesting. It's something that does concern me about the Angels, and it's that idea that own, this was an ownership decision because fans are coming to see him. Does it concern either of you that it seems as though the Angels are more concerned about you know? Shohei Otani being on the cover of MLB The Show wearing an Angels jersey then rather than putting a good team on the field to surround Shohei Otani with. Yeah. That may be the that may be the problem, right? Is that it shouldn't be an ownership decision. Maybe we need to take it out of the ownership's <laughs> hands and put it in baseball oh. people's hands. Let's get the real world here, you know. The guy I'm just the I'm guy just saying will... like the owners that, that the owners that step aside and let the people that they hire to do the job do the job, it t- tends to work out a little bit better. I'm with you. I agree. I mean that that optimally that is what you want to see happen. But you're paying in his case, what a deal to buy the team. You paid like what did you pay about two hundred million dollars or something to buy the team. They're probably worth two billion dollars. He's, already, right. he's right. already winning. He's already winning, and uh, you know. I'm with you. They should have done something, and they should let Perry Mernasian and the baseball people make the decisions, and the teams that let their baseball people make the decisions generally do better. Obviously, George Steinbrenner won some championships uh, with him in the middle of it, and he, but at that time he was spending more than anybody else. And um, so there is that route to do it, and maybe some people are trying to be the next George Steinbrenner. There is only one George Steinbrenner, I'm here to tell you. Well, guys, it's the end of the trade deadline, and what can we say? The future is exceedingly bright for every single team except for the Angels and the Cubs. I cannot <laughs> wait to see this season continue. And, guys, thank you so true. much. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining Big Time Baseball, the great John Heyman. Make sure you check him out on MLB Network and all his work over at – by the way, your work you're doing over at New York Post. Phenomenal stuff, John. Awesome. Congratulations thank on you. everything you're doing. Thank you very much. Uh, I would dare say the voice of this Twitter baseball generation, John Heyman. And, of course, the great Tony Gwynn Jr. Check out everything he's doing down on on the fan in San Diego. Tony, anything else going on? Catch me on the Padres broadcast every day. We play games every day pretty much. So you catch me there. Also, you can catch me on Twitter at Tony Gwynn Jr. And, of course, you can catch me on Twitter at Decker6, where you can find out everything I'm doing. Guys, that is up. That is it for us here on Big Time Baseball for Odyssey Sports. Like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Be safe out there. Enjoy you some baseball. Beat it.